Good afternoon, and thank you so much for tuning in to Michael C. Justice and the Justice Files. This is episode, I'm going to go ahead and call this episode one because I am going to recommit myself to uh, producing every day because I've been going crazy with all the thoughts running through my head, and it's been almost a month since I stopped long enough to go ahead and record. And there's just been a lot going on, and I'm going to just hit you with what I'm thinking about today and um, then uh, move forward. So thank you for tuning in, and we're going to be right back with the show. Michael T. Justice was good. This is D-Win Legacy. What's happening, man? Uh, just want to give you a heads up, update. You should be getting your dinner. It's been mailed to you any day. I don't know how long it takes uh, something like that to get from Delaware to uh, Kansas City. So let's be patient. <laughs> but uh, good stuff, man. Um, let me know when you get it. And uh, hit me back. I'll talk to you soon. All right, peace. Thank you so much to D. Wynn uh, from D. Wynn Legacy Podcast. Uh, I, I did indeed receive my uh winnings from your your great contest over at your podcast and everybody needs to go check that out um but i uh have not yet had a chance to go and get the dinner i think we're gonna try and sneak it in tonight um but uh i am so much looking forward to it and uh again thank you for uh for having the contest and everybody check that out because he's running this contest every month where you can get dinner uh for uh for two when you can figure out the answer to his trivia questions and um yeah i'm 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 psyched about it because I, I love outback steakhouse because i don't know i like the steaks i'm not a vegan sorry bro all right have a good one now and uh on with the show so 1896 a let's just be honest a white man tried to buy a ticket on a train but like he'll explain why he's calling him white so my okay so I'm half white so then Josh is a quarter white black black yeah. He's three right. I'm sorry. He's three quarters. Right. So he's a quarter black. Then his son, if he were to marry a white woman, would be an eighth black. And Plessy Homer Plessy, as we now know his name was, because it was a question on Jeopardy. But he was refused to ride the seat because it was a whites only section. Mm-hmm. And they like said, "This is the line, right?" This what that's why I have a problem with drawing lines because that's what they did. And it's like, at what point do you go? This is fucking ridiculous. I mean, it, obviously, I go. It's ridiculous at the beginning. Like, you should be jet black, and that should be a problem. But if it's now to the point where, what is that? That's black with white. That's one generation and then that mixed child with another white person, that's two, then another... So you four generations in and you still being treated like the same as that jet black person? But 
Not that you're trying to get away from that, because I'm not trying to get away from that. You know, I'm not trying to get away from being black, but where is your rationale? Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's how I feel like on this whole transgender thing. It's like, okay, I don't mind what you're doing, if that's your thing, but at what point do we draw a line and say... I'm not involved in it. Is that a fair question? So I'm sorry. You're I'm not-, not involved in it like I don't have to call you something else. I said I'm recording. I mean, I'll call you if you're a she, but like there's, there is like a trans species crap that's like, no. Trans species? No, we got people think they bears now? I mean, it's on Facebook, so maybe it's. Are satire, you talking about like people like, who like think wear, they're animals? Like, no, for no, animal costumes. That's how we got into this conversation because this stupid um, show had these people dressed up like babies, and we were sitting there like going, and Davin said something about somebody who's sixty years old and decided decided to, that they're an eight-year-old girl. And you see, they had kids too, so that kind of scares me, and it kind of, I don't know. So at some like, point, there's... jumps to, like, what did you do to those kids? Right. At some point, there's a, an issue of, like, okay, do you really have something else going on besides this inner... Like, that woman has not been black all her life. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Right? Now, Bruce Jenner says that he always has felt like a woman, even when he was in 1972 winning the Olympics, that he just couldn't tell nobody. But at some point, that's fine, except now you're requiring me to join in on it or whatever. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then the question is, is that fair? I don't know. With that, you know, um, I don't... I guess here's the question, because I agree with you, but uh, like with everything, and now I'm going to really get myself in trouble, but like even with homosexuality, I have no doubt whatsoever, whatsoever, that it's a real thing and that there are people who are born and that's their orientation or whatever however we're going to describe it but I also think that as something becomes more acceptable Mm -hmm. that there are people who choose it like this woman chose to be black so to speak you know what I mean like But again, I don't care, right? This is the part that I'm like, okay, I don't care if you like just kind of say, well, gay is kind of the new thing or not the new thing, but it's because there are certain people who just want to be like an outlier. You know, Mm -hmm. I like punk rock music, even though everybody else tells me it's not nearly as good as like there's no rhythmic value in this and the other thing, but I like it. So screw you. That's fine. The same thing with 
homosexuality as a choice, I don't care. But if you're telling me that it's a, it's not a choice and it's a thing, and I agree that that is a deal, but I think that there's an added layer at this point because it is something that's more accepted, that there are more people who... Well... I think it's I think it's a real thing. I don't think it's a choice. I think the only choice involved with homosexuality is if you're going to be true to who you are or if you're going to be try to be someone else. And I think because it is more acceptable at this point, that's why more you people see more choose people to be true to who they are. Open about who they really feel that they are on the inside. And I think I think that also applies to then to transgender people again it's that am i going to be true to who i am on the inside or not now admittedly being true to who they feel they are on the inside is a much more radical process than but then the question is okay when you feel it versus is there a biological thing right like is there like is transgender and even homosexuality at that for that matter is it is there a chromosome a a some piece of the dna or something i mean and we we just don't know at this point i mean you can make the case that we maybe just haven't found it i think it's but, just the way it's just the way you are it's just the way you're hardwired because think about it like this you know I mean, I don't ever remember, I've told you this before, I don't ever remember a point in my life going, hmm, right. am I going to be a straight woman or am I going right. to be gay nobody, I don't ever nobody remember there being a choice. Does. It, it's just, I'm, that's just the way I was. You know, I just like guys. Always have. However. Yeah. I never made a choice. I right. mean, that's just the way I was. But however, Hardwired. there are those who spend a lifetime maybe even have kids and a marriage and mm-hmm. spend 10 years, 20 years, have a loving relationship. Mm-hmm. And the wife didn't even know that yeah. he wasn't into that. And now he comes out. So then it's like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, but again, you know, I guess you, you have to look at that whole thing as a sexuality is a spectrum and there are two ends. You know, I like people the same gender as me. I like people the opposite gender of me. And then there's everything in between, you know? And so somebody who has been in a loving and committed relationship with someone of the opposite sex and has children, and then at some point in the time, in the future realizes, oh wait, you know, I really like people of my same gender. They're somewhere in between on that spectrum. And that has been around since time immemorial and it's a question of acceptance so you could clearly make the case that I never really wanted to be with this woman I would have preferred to have been with a man all these years and now I'm free to make this choice or damn the torpedoes whatever, whatever the consequences I'm 50 years old I'm tired of pretending no, there's some of that too. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for the woman. I mean, more than kind of bad. I feel really bad. But what the one that dyed her skin and all that? Oh no, I mean like it's like like that guy found out he was. Oh right, the woman who finds out that her husband. Mm-hmm. Right, and what about the kids and all that? 
But so, I, so you don't think that there's any subset that that kind of choose, kind of choose to be one way or the other. Yeah, they kind of go. Well, this maybe. is ex- this is an acceptable lifestyle. I think I'll try that out. I guess that could be. I mean, understanding that I'm not talking about this from a standpoint of like, see what I said? We outlaw them because it's not. I'm just saying. I have a strictly libertarian view on the thing. You do what you want to do. I don't really care as long as it don't affect me. Okay. I think that's a fair... Oh. Mm-hmm. Is that all three of them? That's Davin and Dan. Josh. No, it's Davin. Davin is a baby. Oh. Oh, this is all the stuff. Keep listening to looking at the stuff without me. I'm just playing Oh, that's your first just started going down memory lane over here. Mm-hmm. Look how big your feet are. Alright, and here's one last little piece of um, stuff for y'all to check out. Because this is truly new info to me and I don't want to be spreading false information. Because I think that's very hurtful, actually. Uh, One of the uh, pieces of uh, study that I do or whatever uh, is a black history podcast. And uh, one of the things that's important, and we we, uh, he mentions this uh, in in the podcast. I can't even think of the name right now. It's somebody I recently started listening to, but often makes the point that, uh, you know, Bad information that serves your purpose or whatever is actually more harmful than good. And and one case in point is like this this supposed Willie Lynch letter because it sounds like a mindset that was actual and was an intent that was probably real, but to ascribe it as a quote and as a historical artifact when you can't really do that then it becomes very difficult to maintain someone's um, buy-in if you will Uh, what I mean is if I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm trying to explain to them how black people have been overlooked in the history in the telling of our nation's story and then we find out that you know i'm using information that wasn't real but even though it sounded right then but because you cannot come back to well but it's probably true or you know that you know if you can avoid that you should not put your feet down on a rock that ain't a rock is what i'm saying so uh, as far as I can tell, the Willie Lynch letter is is not uh, a rock. That just just that, you know, uh, if you know what that is, hit me up if you want to debate that or whatever. Uh, but that's not really what I'm trying to go for right now. What I'm talking about is something new that I heard. And so I want to check it out. I'm not passing this off as fact information. In fact. I'm going to where you might get an answer. So here's the um, the deal. The 
the thought that the Statue of Liberty uh, was now it, it, the way it brought to me, okay, the way I heard it in this this other whole other conversation was about the Statue of Liberty, Statue of Liberty being built on or based on a uh, black woman and that it had to do with the issue of slavery and the end of the Civil War. Now, uh, I just did some brief research yesterday because I heard this on Friday. I took a minute yesterday and said, well, let me just do some checking and see what I can find out about this claim and then kind of see what I think about it. And then I'm discussing it with a buddy of mine at work. And uh, while we're sitting there talking, another guy comes up, a white guy. And I can tell... We both could tell we were having this conversation with our eyes while we were having a whole nother conversation. It was kind of crazy because we're looking at each other and can tell that this guy is kind of listening because we're saying some, you know, I was saying something pretty radical about Statue of Liberty being black. But here's what I found out. And I was looking at this and not the other thing. And before, you know, as I'm saying where I found my information and how, you know, this is just I'm clearly stating that it, that I'm not. Standing on this as a rock, but here's my interpretation of what I've seen. And let me tell you what, you know, and then this guy just kind of jumps in with not even real information. Just nah, nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. Like not even and not from a stance of. Of. uh Wow, I never heard that. That's crazy. Or or rather, not from a stance of I've heard that before and that's debunked and I'll tell you why. Not from a stance of of uh I've done this and that and the other thing, just from a stance of that's crazy and that ain't it. And I'm not gonna hold that against him because we are all miseducated. This country is miseducated. That's why you got to go back and try and find stuff out. And what I'm, you know, I, I envision that scene in the um, Lord of the Rings movies where Gandalf is like holed up in some library, digging out little scrolls and finds a line in a thing and then goes, aha, because that's the way history is. It gets brushed over and glossed and not always because it's nefarious, although quite frequently it is. But sometimes there's a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding. It's just a con. It just gets condensed. You know, uh, when I tell my life story, it gets condensed. I go from a high school dropout to college vice or president of the student body to something else. And that's not everything in between. There was a whole lot of stuff that gets skipped over in that. And so you got to go back if you really want to know the story. And so that's what you got to do. So. I invite you to go to what I did to check this thing out. The uh, NPS, National Park Service, that's who's in control of the Statue of Liberty. The Natural National Park Service website, uh, nps.gov, uh, 
and then STLI, Statue of Liberty, uh, nps.gov slash STLI slash learn slash history culture slash black dash statue dash of dash liberty. And you see what you see. Now, here's what it says, and I'll just kind of skim over the entire it's a couple pages of reading. It's not that hard, and I did it, but I'm going to give you the condensed version of this summary report. So it's a summary of a summary. I'm not trying to pass myself off as an expert. I'm just telling you what I saw. I'm going to tell you what I saw, tell you what I think, and then let you be the judge, and you go back and find your own information. Um, the Black Statue of Liberty summary report. It talks about, okay, so the heading here is an inquiry into the history and meaning of Bartholdi's Liberty Eclairant Le Monde. This is the name of the Statue of Liberty. Okay. Now, um, this report was done because somewhere, uh, this report was done in September 2000. Uh, the NPS hired professional editors to improve organization rights style of the report. So they're saying they've done this report a couple times. They kind of went back and checked out footnotes and stuff. So this is them saying this is the best we can do with the thing. So in early 1998, they began receiving inquiries about rumors that the Statue of Liberty was originally meant to be a monument to the end of slavery in America at the end of the Civil War. In response, the monument superintendent launched an intensive two-year investigation of the rumors and truth about the statue's early history Research reported here, based on those investigations, on the internet, the personal interviews in public and private library and archival collections in the U.S. and France. Okay? Now, I'm going to skip over this a little bit more about what they did, what, how they did it. No, actually, I'm going to cut back in here. Uh, and, and here, you give you this next paragraph. The rumors have been circulating on the Internet through email networks and telephone calls. Totality, in their totality, the rumors constitute a counter-narrative about the origin and development of the statue that preserves and transmits valuable information about its early history. Okay. Uh, parts one, that's in part one of the report. Part two and three of the report examine specific claims uh, that are made in multiple and often overlapping versions of the rumors. And that's the thing right off the bat. It's going to be rumor because somebody says it and somebody else doesn't get it solid before they spread it out. And then it becomes a whole bunch of other stuff. And I can, based on what I've been studying just in the last day, and it just was a couple of hours, and it was largely on this site, their report, but a lot, uh, but some more looking at Wikipedia and other art history kind of things about these two gentlemen, um, the uh, sculptor Bartholdi and the patron of the sculptor. Now, a patron, for those who don't know, is the rich cat who pays for the art to be done, pays the artists and pays for the materials and yada, 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 right? So, like, we have this big, you know, here in Kansas City, we have, you know, you uh, and Kaufman brought the Royals to Kansas City and we, everything in Kansas City is named after them. We got the Kaufman's center which is a new opera house that they built now i got the opportunity to go to a show there uh, a couple months ago and they had listed there the patron 
which was obviously the Kaufman, Julia Kaufman, famous rich daughter of aforementioned Ewing Kaufman, put forth a bunch of cash to pay for it. But she didn't do all of it. There was some fundraising involved and they raised money from other patrons. So there's a lot of other rich folks in this town and around the country and foundations and people who put forth five dollars or whatever. But there's a lot of people who contributed and they are all considered their patrons. Right. So these are the people. Now. That's today when we live in a more publicly funded and a more, you know, everybody wants in on the game because we are as a society wealthier now back in the day in the quote-unquote gilded age right in the late 1800s early 19 early early 19s when there were the the robber barons land you know it was really 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 rich people and that's who paid for the stuff it's just like royalty you know beethoven mozart um uh, that cat, who's the cat that painted the Sistine Chapel? Michelangelo, all these cats, they were paid by rich people. Shakespeare, all these people. They didn't just put it together because a bunch of poor folks was going to come and see their show the way we might do today. There's a lot of theater companies and artists and art shows and stuff that are just, you know, people putting stuff out there. But there there were these patrons. I'm sorry to go into it all along and, and whatnot for you, but I kind of feel like it's necessary to establish that what I'm saying ain't exactly crazy. So forgive me. So here we are with the Statue of Liberty. And here's the first claim that Statue of Liberty was conceived at a dinner party in 1865 at the home of Edward de la Bollier, a prominent French abolitionist following the death of President Lincoln. Now, I looked this guy up and... He was indeed, uh, he was involved in their politics in France. He was rich. He was a, he was a cat that did a whole bunch of artist type of stuff, you know, paid for art and that kind of thing. He was also, uh, I kind of thought about Jefferson as I was listening to him because he wrote like some three volume history of the United States for the French folks. Right. Because he's like saying, look at these people. They because they inspired the French Revolution and everything. And France was going through their own thing. They were in the middle of another monarch. And, and I won't get into that politics. But here is someone who was about liberty and about he was an abolitionist was against the slave trade. Um, now, here is the finding that this National Park Service came out with. This story is a legend. Okay, so right off the bat, their first statement to me says, it's bunk. Now, here's what they say. All available evidence points to its conception in 1870 or 71. The dinner party legend is traceable to a single source. An 1885 fundraising pamphlet written by the state's the statue's sculptor, August Bartholdi, after the death of La Boulaye. Okay, now I'm just going to tell you what um, here's what I'm going to just say. The first sentence says it's bunk. The story is a legend. 
But then it immediately says that the available evidence points to its conception in 1870 or 71, which is five years after this supposed dinner party. Because they're saying that he's at a dinner party, Edward Laboyer, the rich guy, and he's sitting, this is just their claim in this thing, right? They're saying he's at a dinner party following the death of President Lincoln right after the Civil War. He's an abolitionist. And that he comes up with this idea of a Statue of Liberty, which in my mind kind of fits and makes some kind of sense because if you're an abolitionist and you're like aware that they just did it and at a great cost, the president who led that effort was assassinated for his trouble. And then you look at, you know, the centennial is coming up. 10 years away, 11 years away, and takes time to do stuff. And it's just an idea. This is what he's saying. It's just the idea came up. Now, they say it's bunk because it points to its conception in 1870, 71. Now, they do not say what that references are in 1870, 71. So it can't really go much depth in that. But then they continue to say that it was a single source to say that it had anything to do with this dinner party and that that source was a fundraising pamphlet written by the statue sculptor, the guy who made the statue, after the death of La Boulier, the guy who paid for the sculpture, who was dead, so I'm guessing didn't finish paying for the sculpture and it needed to be paid for. So if that's the case, or I'm trying to think what the years were because we're talking about 85 and I'm trying to remember what year the statue was put in the park. And that's the hard part. I'm trying to remember the dedication. Uh, I believe the cast, 1870, the statue's form after June 1871. Okay, right. So it was... It was uh, Okay. All right. So the statue was put in. I'll have to look up when the statue was actually put in the in the presented and unveiled or whatever. But back to this this claim and it's quote unquote debunking because it says that the person who's responsible for the rumor that it was conceived in 1865 is the sculptor. The sculptor is saying in some pamphlet which I'd like to see that. I'm I'm see if there's a way to find that. But he's saying that in some pamphlet to raise money to get the thing completed or to do for some fundraising purpose, he wrote down that this sculpture that I created, that I built, and was paid for by this cat Edward Lobolier who came up with the idea in 1865, right after the Civil War, and the president was killed. And Now, why would he say that that was why he came up with that, or that that's what the idea of it was from? He's the guy who did it. So either he's just making that up to raise money, or he's telling what happened and he's trying to raise money. But in some fashion, they say that that's just a legend, and that means it's not true. That's going to be, I'm going to scratch that one as 
quite likely that it was inspired by the end of the Civil War and the freedom of black people or the end of enslavement of black people, meaning a closer realization of that American ideal that he was buying into so much so that he wrote a three-volume thing on the history of America. I mean, America has been important to the world for a while. A lot of people come here and go like, wow, this thing y'all got going since the beginning. I mean, since the beginning, that was the case. So that just seems to me like a thing. So I'm going to leave that up to you to to tell me what you think on that. It's hard to know. But understand that history is full of people covering stuff up. And then once you tell the story and you keep on telling the story, it gets lost in history until somebody go back like Gandalf into the into the sources and finds that one line in a document and then says, ah, because what you're telling me is that y'all went and looked and y'all found a source, but it was just one source. And it was the guy who made it, who made the statue. And he said, now to me, that's not stories of legend. That's it. To me, that's like, it's at least questionable. And, I would say you got to give it a 75% <laughs> on the truth meter. But that's just me. Now, claim two is that Le Boyer and Bartholdi were well-known French abolitionists who proposed the monument to recognize the critical roles played by black soldiers in the Civil War. They say no evidence was found to support the claim. I'll let you read on through that. I really didn't see anything that made me believe that otherwise. But again... Um, who were these cats and what were they doing? What were their other writings? I didn't go into it. Uh, Argos Bartoldi was largely apolitical and adapted his self-presentation to advance his career as an artist. His frequent references to race-related subjects during his 1871 visit to the United States reflect the influences of his French patrons in American contacts, which kind of begs the question... Again, you're saying it's unlikely that it had anything to do with this. And it's probably he was like really apolitical and that he just adapted. You know, he was just trying to get some money for his art. So he was just saying that this is why he made the art, because, you know, he was trying to get money from people who were into freeing black people in abolition and, you know, that kind of those the people of that mindset and so he just that's who he was trying to get money from so he was just saying that that's who he was but that's who he was getting the money from to pay for it and that's who would have inspired it who would have right i mean you tell me now, claim three, the original model of the statue was a black woman, but the design was changed to appease white Americans who would not accept an African-American liberty. Um, the statue's design almost certainly, finding the statue's design almost certainly evolved from an earlier concept proposed for a colossal monument in Egypt 
for which the artist used his drawings of Egyptian women as models, Egypt being in Africa. And almost certainly evolved from an earlier concept. So, I don't know. Again, are we looking at a truth meter kind of thing? I'm not dismissing this stuff. Bartoldi's preliminary design for the Statue of Liberty is consistent with contemporary depictions of liberty, but differs markedly from sculptures representing freed American slaves and soldiers uh, and Civil War soldiers. I don't. It says differs from sculptures representing them, but it doesn't say his sculptures. So it says that he used African women to do this first statue. This evolved from that statue, which I did some reading in that other statue, I think didn't get made. So this was kind of that statue repurposed. Bartoldi changed the broken shackle and chain. Ah, here we go. Bartoldi changed a broken shackle and chain in the statue's left hand to tablets inscribed July 4th, 1776 at La Boyer's request to, envision, to emphasize a broader version of liberty for all mankind. There's no evidence that Bartoldi's original design was perceived by white American supporters or the government, United States government, is representing a black woman or was changed on those grounds. Um, yeah, probably, again, one of them things where I could go, if I'm Edouard Laboyer and I'm going to, pay for this thing and then give it to him and I kind of want it to be put up I would probably say uh, I mean I'm just going to say again on this truth meter scale right because can I see it happening and that just means it's it's history is full of you don't really know how that went down but can you see it I can see it I can see him going like alright you made this thing about one thing you use these people and everything yeah let's it, it says here they are in their findings saying that Bartoldi changed broken shackle and chain in the statue's left hand to tablets inscribed with the birth date of this country they saying that he took the shackle and chain and then changed it to the date at Le Bollier's request who is a politician who probably could understand that if these folks killed their president that that led the effort to free the slaves that that country might not be ready for just a straight out broken chains let's just put i got an idea and if you go back and look at my podcast you'll you'll see i've said this before that the, the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. That's a check. A check that is yet to be cashed. A check we keep presenting and getting a little bit more from. Right? The concept that I'm using there is that the Declaration of Independence was for everybody but only white people, white men got it at first, white landowners got it at first and it has slowly been represented by everybody else and we have slowly gotten more and more and more of those freedoms and equal liberty and yada 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 so 
for me, I could see this Bartholdi cat going, or I'm sorry, this Laboyer cat saying, well, maybe this dude was, maybe they're not ready for that much on it. So let's just put the date and that'll draw their attention to their own words, which say, boom, all men are created equal. Then they got to deal with that because that's all you can do. You can't force people you that's all i'm trying to do right now i ain't trying to tell you this is what happened i'm trying to tell you to go look it up and i'm really i'm talking to everybody white people don't just dismiss it black people don't jump on it and then run with it figure it out first remember the willie lynch thing by the time of its dedication in 1886 this is the claim fourth claim that they did and I'm going to wrap it up here. By the time of its dedication in 1886, European immigration to the United States had increased so substantially that earlier meanings associated with the statue were eclipsed. And this association has continued to be the predominant understanding of the statue's meaning from then until now. I'm going to go over their finding first. Because that's the rumor, the claim. That sounds like a fact to me, but okay. Now I'll go over their finding. The conventional interpretation of the statue as a monument to American immigrants is a 20th century phenomenon. In its early years, 71 to 86, that view was only rarely and vaguely expressed. While references to the Civil War and abolition of slavery occur repeatedly from its first introduction to the United States in 1871 up to and including the dedication separation, the celebrations in 1886. Immigrants did not actually see the Statue of Liberty until after its unveiling. In the early 20th century, the statue became a popular symbol for nativists and white supremacists. Off official use of the statue's image to appeal to immigrants only began in earnest with public efforts to Americanize immigrant children and the government's advertising campaign for World War I bonds. The immigrant interpretation gained momentum in the 30s as Americans prepared for war with Hitler, and by the 50s, it had become the predominant understanding of the statue's original purpose and meaning. Now, they are saying what the quote-unquote claim is. Because the claim is that by 1886, European immigration was substantially, had increased so much that earlier meanings associated with the statue were eclipsed. And this association was continued to the predominant understanding of the statue's meaning. So then in their official finding, they say that American immigrants is a 20th century phenomenon. So they're saying that it wasn't in 1886, it wasn't about immigration. And they are saying, here again, they're saying that in its early years, the view was only rarely and vaguely expressed. While reference, while references to the Civil War and abolition, abolition of slavery occur repeatedly from its first induction, in 1871, up to including the dedication celebrations in 1886. So what they're saying is that the slavery narrative was the only narrative. So now I'm going to go back and look at my New York Times files uh, on the microfish and find out about this because I want to see what they were reporting uh, in real time. 
Um, now, their conclusions. Was the original model a black woman? Uh, the temporary proximity and static overlap between Bartoli's Egyptian proposal and the Statue of Liberty project and the project and the preliminary nature of the statue's study models makes it impossible to rule out that an 1871 Liberty model that has design origin in Baltaldi's drawings of black Egyptian women in 1856. Based on the evidence, the connection is coincidental to the development of the Statue of Liberty under Le Boyer's patronage. We found no corroborating evidence that either of them intended to depict Liberty as a black woman. They just used black women. They didn't intend for it to be black woman. They just used a black woman. This is how you can tell the truth and lie at the same time as far as I'm concerned. Shit. Now I'm getting mad. <laughs> La Boyer's intent was to present a monument that would commemorate the fulfillment of America's commitment to universal liberty established by the Declaration of Independence and set an example for other nations. What I said. Liberty depicted as a freed woman would have represented his strong anti-slavery convictions, but it would not have fulfilled his broader version. So he slipped one over on him. He gave it to him and didn't even tell him. We're going to let y'all put a black woman up and didn't tell him because they might have rejected it if they knew. And now y'all find out and y'all want to kind of reject it still. Conclusions. Is the Statue of Liberty Monument a monument to the end of slavery. The Statue of Liberty would never have been conceived or built if its principal French and American advocates had not been active abolitionists who understood slavery as the cause of the Civil War and its end as a realization of the promise of liberty. The statue's form after 1871 clearly embodies La Boyer's views on the two-part realization in 1776 and 1864 of his ideal of liberty. The centennial of the American Revolution was significant to the French sponsors because the Civil War ended slavery and preserved the Union at a time when France was undergoing the same kind of uncertainty because they were dealing with the king, the, one of the Napoleon children's. Okay. Now, final conclusion. What roles do African Americans have in the Statue of Liberty's history? And then it talks about the black, the black press championed the, the French American project and African Americans contributed to the pedestal fund, participated in public celebrations for its unveiling, conducted their own. Blacks were among the immigrants whose first sight of the United States was the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor. I don't understand that one because I don't know how many immigrants there were in that time frame. I'm assuming they're talking about immigrants from Africa. Well, in Haiti, too, I would guess. I don't know. But anyway, in the early 20th century, African Americans died because of the perverse appropriation of the statue symbolism by white racists. And that's where we are now. So, um, there it is. Is the Statue of Liberty a black woman? Yes. Is the Statue of Liberty... That's me saying yes. 
Was it conceived in 1865 as a monument to liberty after the Civil War and the death of President Lincoln? I'm going to say yes, because the sculptor said it was. Claim two, did Edward LaBoyer, an abolitionist who proposed a monument recognize the critical roles played by black soldiers in the Civil War? I'm going to leave that one open because it really don't have to do with soldiers. It has to do with liberty and, you know. And was it a black woman? Yes, yes, and yes. They took the chains off. So was it a freed woman? Uh, I think so. It says right there, Bartoli changed based on LaBoyer's request to emphasize a broader vision of liberty for all mankind. That's the way they expressed it. I say... The Boyer knew that these crackers wasn't going to take an openly black woman. So she was passing, y'all. All right, that's my time. I will use way too much of your time. And if you're still here, oh my God, I thank you so much. And I hope I can get this concise and, and good enough for you where it can make some sense. But please hit me up. Let me know what you think. Um... Thank you so much. And like my friend Maria says, I love the way she ends all of her podcasts. I love you. Because I really do. Because this world is only going to get better if we love each other and make it happen.